what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dawn, come see what Santa brought you. Oh, Christ, I'm coming. Please, Howard, try to get through this without a fight. I can't stand another one, not on Christmas. I'd better get them cha-cha heels. How very sweet of you, dear. Merry Christmas, honey bunch. Hey, wonder what this could be? A fishing rod? <laughs> <laughs> Won't you join us in a carol before we open our gifts? Oh, Mother. Ah, come on. Don't it act to the spirit. Silent, Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. What are these? Shoes, Dawn. Those aren't the right kind. I told you, cha-cha heel, black ones. Nice girls don't wear cha-cha heels. Give me those presents. I'll never wear those ugly shoes. I told you the kind I wanted. You ruined my presents. This is Brandon Ford, and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. For this week's feature commentary, we are doing John Waters' 1974 cult classic, Female Trouble, starring Divine, Minx Stoll, David Lockery, Mary Vivian Pierce, Edith Massey, a whole bunch of the Dreamlanders. And I am using the Criterion Blu-ray, uh, came out in 2018, I think, and I believe is the 97, uncut 97 minute version. I didn't even realize this until I had uh, perused the Wikipedia page, but there's three different cuts of the film one 89 minute, 192, and 197. Um, so, yeah, before we get into it, I have to get the plugs out of the way, so um, as always, please don't forget to check out my books and paperback and Kindle editions by going to Amazon.com or the Amazon app, typing in Brandon Ford. There you'll find my author page as well as all of my in-print titles available in paperback and Kindle editions. You can also find my books in audio book format by going to the Audible app 
or audible.com typing in Brandon Ford like I said I have uh, probably like 10 titles up at the time of this recording give or take and if you don't already please follow me on Instagram at writer Brandon Ford I just started using my Twitter account again it's interesting I was pretty active on my Twitter account pretty active tweeting every day multiple times a day and then out of nowhere I don't I have no idea what happened I just lost that little wedge of popularity that I had and by little wedge I mean very minor I was not by any means a Twitter celebrity or anything like that but it seemed like the people that I was corresponding with were gone and nobody was responding to my tweets and even though I was responding to people you know it seemed like I was tweeting in the wind as the saying goes a saying I just made up but I'm back on Twitter uh, you know, trying to pimp out my book, trying to pimp out the podcast, trying to get some new listeners, readers, all that good stuff. So yeah, did I even say my handle? Shit. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Brandon Ford, all one word. And lastly, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, critiques, recommendations for movies you'd like me to do, you can email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com I hope I don't forget what I did with the remote. Is this it? Yes, it is. Alright. So if you're watching along, we're about to get started in a second. I don't know where this is. I didn't check. I would assume Prime because everything's on Prime. I doubt it's on YouTube, at least not streaming for free. And it's not on Tubi that I'm aware of. But, yeah. Hopefully you can find it somewhere. And I don't think it's on Netflix either. I don't think Netflix has a good stock of John Waters titles. All they have is Hairspray, I think. And I don't even know if they have that anymore. Okay, so, yep. We're going to get started with the three count. So, here we go. Three, two, one, play. We got the, I think this is the Criterion, Criterion logo or some shit like that. Did I say that? I think, yeah. This was also rated NC-17. I think I, I talked about this in Pink Flamingos, and then I talked about it again in Dirty Shame. Um, none of these commentaries are recorded in the manner they are going to be posted but yeah I said something along the lines uh, during the Pink Flamingos commentary that A Dirty Shame was the first time that John um, 
made an NC-17 rated movie since Female Trouble. No, since Pink Flamingos. And that is not true because Female Trouble was rated NC-17 as well. Why? I don't know. There's really not anything crazy. Pink Flamingos, yeah, I can kind of see. Um, I, but yeah, the A Dirty Shame episode isn't going to be posted until the end of the month. And I just felt the need. I felt compelled to rehash that bit of information. Um, this is the theme song performed by Divine, written by John Waters. I, uh, I enjoy Divine. I, well, yes, I enjoy Divine's performances. I enjoy him as an actor. Um, I think he was one of the more talented Dreamlanders. Um, as a singer, no, 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 he was a terrible singer. Um, if this doesn't, um, 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 convince you of that, then I suggest going on YouTube and trying to find some of his, his dance club, uh, disco songs, or you could check out the I Am Divine documentary where they explore Divine's singing career, and there's even footage of him performing live at, at gay clubs, performing live. Like literally live. He wasn't lip syncing. It was live. And it was terrible. And it wasn't just the fact that he was so heavy that he was out of breath very quickly. He he just he couldn't carry a tune. It's, it's just as simple as that. And I did know that he was uh, he attempted a singing career um, before the I Am Divine documentary, because some years back, I happened upon, because he never released an album, of a, a full record of original songs, just released a bunch of singles, uh, 45 singles, and later I believe they were compiled and put on CD, uh, I think, I don't know. But I, a long time ago, I did a Google search and I found a website that was dedicated to all things divine. And there was a music section and I was like, what? I guess I, well, no, I knew he sung the song Female Trouble, but I didn't know that he had a whole music career. And this person, I doubt the website's still active, but this person, had all of the singles, had scans of all the singles, had rips from all the track, rips of all the tracks, I believe available to stream. I don't think I bothered because I knew that they were going to be terrible. And then it wasn't until I Am Divine that I actually heard them. And yeah, I was right. Not good. 
but let's move it along from Divine's poor singing voice and talk about female trouble. This was shot in an actual high school that was shut down uh, for some reason. I was listening to some of the commentary and John said that they didn't get in illegally. Somebody let them in, but he's, he couldn't remember under what circumstances. And um, they had to have had electricity. Um, but yeah, this had a budget of $25,000, which I'm sure to John in 1974 was a lot. This teacher, I, I think he's, uh, he appeared in Hairspray. He appeared in Hairspray something. Um, if you look at um, John's movies, there is a running theme in them that school in particular high school is a terrible place and for him it was because when he went to public school his creativity was not encouraged by his teachers there is um a scene in serial mom in which uh the character of chip played by matthew villard is um caught drawing a little poster um, on loose leaf paper with imagery imagery from the movie Blood Feast and John did those things in class and was chastised for it. I did those things in class too. I used to make movie posters um, but because I wasn't a very talented artist I just used to, my movie posters basically consisted of the title in whatever fancy lettering that I could come up with uh, but there's there's a running theme in a lot of John's movies in this one and in Hairspray and Serial Mom um, there I don't think there's anything specific in polyester but the kids in the movie really aren't ardent about education and John has said he abhors education and higher education and he said that he really didn't get anything out of his high school career and um, like I said he was not encouraged his creativity was if anything stymied or at least attempted to be stymied by his his teachers and high school was a place that he would see divine regularly get bullied and beaten for being gay and teachers did nothing teachers the teachers didn't care and so that was specifically why he wanted to have the murder of a teacher in serial mom and it was at the very same school that Divine was bullied at as a teenager. I don't know if they knew that, but yeah, I believe that was in um, 
Towson, something like that. But this this is the this is a scene. Oh, I talked I talked over it, but in the in the earlier scene in the school, John Talkton talks in the commentary about a scene that was I believe it was shot in which they take the the girl who is more interested in uh, learning and she's a snitch and she's saying how about she wants to get an education and I believe uh, Divine and her pack corner her in the girls bathroom and they flush her head in the toilet I believe it was shot but I don't think John saw a place for it in the film so he cut it out and it's unusual for John to shoot something only to have it cut out because I think he he always knew exactly what he wanted before it was shot and he didn't he didn't have the money to say you know cut this cut that trim this trim that and this scene that just this scene that just passed um, is the catalyst for Don Davenport's uh, down uh, our journey and and her downward spiral and the Christmas tree falls on his mother and there's divine as a man uh, playing dual roles I'm, I'm sure everybody knows that I, I watched this by the way with an ex and I said, see if you could tell me who that is, referring to Divine as a man in the car. And nope, he didn't know. I think I even got to the part when Divine was in the, whatever that job was that he had. I don't remember. But uh, I even got to that part and he didn't know. And yeah, he was surprised to learn that was divine as a man, because he does look very different. Um, I really don't like this scene, as in particular the skid marked underwear and divine screaming "eat it" with the slurping sounds. I it kind of grosses me out, but um, I. Oh, the Christmas tree. Yes, John said that when, or he was told, I don't think he saw, I don't think he was there. He was told that the Christmas tree, that a Christmas tree fell on his grandmother. Might, might have been before he was born. She wasn't injured. She wasn't pinned under it like his mother is in the, or like the, or like Divine's mother is in the movie. It wasn't, you know, it was just an accident that, you know, was remedied in a matter of minutes. Nevertheless, John was fascinated by it and knew, I guess, from hearing that story that he was going to include it in one of his movies. And he did. And in one of the documentaries, I think it's the In Bad Taste documentary that was... Uh, made for IFC in the 90s there's footage of John shooting that scene and how much fun he was having um, 
during um, shooting it, and in particular when the when the actress playing Divine's mother or Don's mother is her head is just poking out. He thought that was particularly funny. Oh. So what if I did? I want money. You'll never get any money from me, Cal. Just because you got them big udders don't mean you're something special. Get the hook. Go fuck yourself for all I care. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Hello? Hello? Um, John has said many times that the, the look, I don't think it was necessarily the character... But it was the look of Don Davenport in her teen years was inspired by a girl who he didn't know. He talks about this in the commentary and I believe in the This Filthy World one man show and perhaps one of the documentaries. Oh, he, this is, by the way, I think this is Mary Vivian Pierce's son. Ramsey, who was like three days old and they waited because Mary Vivian Pierce was pregnant at the time of the the shooting of the movie and they waited to shoot this scene because uh, they wanted to have a newborn baby or John wanted a newborn baby and so they made uh, um the uh, umbilical cord that that uh, Divine bites uh, out of uh, condoms stuffed with raw meat. I think it was liver. And yeah, so um, the character was modeled after a girl who he went to school with but didn't know. Um, she had the exact same <clears throat> excuse me she had the exact same hairstyle that Don has in the movie in the beginning in the teen years only it was blonde and it had turned green from the chlorine in swimming pools and as he said several times he even says it on the commentary track for the DVD of this I don't think there's a commentary track on the on that criterion because I think New Line owns that commentary so Criterion didn't put it on here um, so if you want to hear it you have to get the DVD yeah he said that this girl's signature look was um, she was always wearing short skirts and her her legs were covered in scabs <clears throat> scabs from mosquito bites and she was not a good student. She was a bully. She would regularly corner and beat up girls, other girls. And John said he never spoke to her, but he did admire her from afar. He was her fan, he said, basically. He just was like anyone he'd ever seen before. And I think he actually refers to himself as her groupie. Yeah, 
um, there's a little girl who's supposed to be... I can't remember the name of the little girl. Taffy, that's her name. He, I was trying to listen to, I was trying to wait for the name, but he could, uh, Don, I mean, Divine could uh, memorize a lot of dialogue, and I believe with little notice, too. Just look at the at a lot, all the dialogue that's in Pink Flamingos. Jesus Christ. And it's crazy dialogue, too. These, in, these insane monologues. And while I don't think anybody would say that Divine was the greatest actor in the world, he was very professional and always hit his mark, always knew his lines, was always on time. Um, oh, God. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's the wail of a bratty little girl. I think it's funny that Dawn is still friends with the same girls that she went to high school with. At least on a superficial level. I don't know how close they are. Well, you know, you could just send the kid to school. That's that, that's how you get rid of them, at least temporarily. Oh, God. I've been here with a car aerial. Oh, God. There's a lot of stories about David Lockery, who plays Gator. Um, yeah, I uh, I think it's in one of the documentaries. He he passed away, I believe, in the seventies. Um, probably right. Oh God, here's Edith Massey, Meryl Streep herself. Um, I think David Lockery passed away. In the mid to late 70s, uh, I could be mistaken. I don't, I didn't check. 
but uh, he was very heavy into drugs and there was a famous story about him where he was at a party and he was on acid and he cut himself pretty bad with a broken mirror and didn't he didn't feel it he didn't know what was happening he was so far gone that he felt no pain literally and um I don't think it's I don't think it's said, but uh, or explained why, but Aunt Ida, played by Edith Massey, she wants her her nephew to be homosexual, and she encourages it incessantly. And I think that's supposed to be. It's probably meant to be ironic because having homosexual children was not was not something that was not something that parents hoped for at at this time and um, certainly not parents the parents of kids in in John's era you know it was seen as a bad bad thing and um I think that Gator is, uh, or Gator, is it Gators or Gator? I think it's Gator. Oh my god. Um, I think it's, it's assumed because he does hair that he's gay or, or something like that. I believe John has said that this is his favorite of his early films. Oh, um, totally random thing here, but it just so happens that I was on Instagram the other day, and actually, I think it was the day before yesterday, and I was just perusing people. Um, trying to find some new friends to follow and I came across somebody who with the username hag in a black leather jacket and for those of you who are not in the know hag in a black leather jacket was I believe John's very first short film I think before that he took um, his 16 millimeter or 8 millimeter, whatever it was, camera to a birthday party and started shooting. And I think that was really the first time he he shot anything. But I think that Hagen a Black Leather Jacket is the first uh, is considered to be the first Waters film. It's his first uh, short. It's a good title. I'd like to steal it. <laughs> I don't know if we we saw her yet, but the oh my god, the woman who played Divine's Divine's double, my neighbor is coughing. 
because he's a fucking pothead. Um, um, what was I saying? The woman who is a, uh, or was divined double when in the, in the, in the sex scene where he's fucking himself, because that was, that was meant to be the joke. That was, you know, meant to be the go fuck yourself joke where Divine was literally fucking himself. Um, but during the scenes when Dawn is seen from behind and we have the male Divine prominently um, prominently shown, it is this woman who is in the in the beauty parlor. She had Divine's same hairdo. She was about the same weight and build, I guess. I don't know. Of Divine. Maybe they put heels on to make her taller. But yeah, she was the double. And you really can't tell. It's um it's a pretty it's a pretty well put together scene. And I think yes, this is these were the days that John was editing his own stuff cutting his own film and all this stuff he learned trial and error splicing film putting shit together and I think that it was either John or another member of the Dreamland group who said that until they actually started making movies, they didn't know that everything was... Yeah, John said this. They didn't know that there was actually a script and rehearsal and directors and all that stuff. They thought that um, movies, that was just what... Uh, what was shot um, it was all improvised basically and e either either it was just made up by the actors or the director or whoever somebody gave the actors some sort of motivation uh, a scene to improvise and that's how movies are made and uh, I don't think it was until uh, it was either Multiple Maniacs or Pink Flamingos that he actually started writing his scripts because the uh, the early stuff, which does make sense because he was he started making movies when he was sixteen, uh, so the early stuff was just improvised, and um, I don't believe it wasn't. On, it was until multiple I think it was multiple maniacs was the first one that was actually scripted and he used to write scripts longhand on um, yellow legal pads oh my god I can't tell you how much I miss writing on yellow legal pads that that was um, I used to love writing uh, short stories on yellow legal yellow legal pads it's my favorite I've, I'm sure I've lamented this before because I do remember talking about how I still have a lot of those handwritten short stories 
can't see them, but I have them. I think this is the scene that's about to come up now where they're having sex. And I don't know. I don't know what the what the point of it was, but Gators puts a carrot in Don's mouth. Okay. Divine's really getting into it here. Need on those pliers. Oh. From what I remember, too, when he says, hey, Taffy, come suck your daddy's dick, there's a close-up of his dick. Like, we don't know what a dick is. And that's one of, I think that's one of the, Taffy's response is one of the more famous lines from John's earlier films. I wouldn't suck your lousy dick if I was suffocating and there was oxygen in your balls. So that's Mink Stole playing, I guess, pre-adolescent, like Taffy at like 12, 13-ish. Oh my god, this dialogue so would not fly today. He definitely has the the Baltimore accent that John that John favors. I don't I forget his name. This guy, I think, pretty sure he was the guy in um, Pink Flamingos that was supposed to be Divine's son. There's a carrot. You should have seen your face. I can't imagine that. I th I would assume that there's a very small um, percentage of native Baltimoreans who have that weird accent. Oh, 
Go, okay, take your fucking toolkit and go fuck a garage. What? $104 for a washing set. That was outrageous, even in 1974. A washing set. I think that's her right there. How's your little girl? Why don't you bring her in more often? Why so you can dress her again with the the um the double right there for divine. But I just like to play with her. I wish I was a little girl. Well throw a goddamn penny in the fountain and make a goddamn wish and maybe it'll come true. So I told her She kinda reminds me of a woman that I used to work with when I worked at a cash uh well uh, yeah, it was a cashier at a department store when I was eighteen. Boggled my imagination. to see David Lockery part uh, half of the Lasher the la Lasher Lasher um, couple or did I say Dasher it's or wait I said did I say Lasher I, I think it's wait it's da Dasher yes Dasher Dasher yeah, it's Dasher. I'm stupid.
Donald and Donna. Donald and Donna Dash are Don Davenport. He sure has a thing for alliteration. I really would like to know if anybody actually mainlined liquid eyeliner based on this movie, based on this movie, because there are some hardcore John Waters fans, and it wouldn't surprise me. This movie was, I, I don't know if it was um, meant to be tongue-in-cheek, but uh, it was dedicated to Tex Watson because of the Manson family murders, and I, John it did have a bit of an obsession with the Manson girls and in particular I believe um, Van Houten Leslie, was it Leslie Van Houten uh, they were friends for a number of years and he's, he would visit her regularly and he wrote about her in his book Role Models about their friendship and he's convinced that she's completely rehabilitated and that she deserves, he believes that she deserves to be set free. And when they, oh, he's, um, Taffy is playing car wreck, which is something that John used to do when he was a kid. He had this macabre obsession with car accidents and he even he talks about it in i believe divine trash one of them one of the documents there's been a lot of documentaries about him but he actually had a mother who supported his fascination and obsession with car accidents and took took him when he was a very little boy to a junkyard so that he could look at cars that had been in accidents that were with dented hoods and webbed glass and he said he walked around and just and and took it all in and then when he was gifted toy cars the first thing that he would do was smash them I don't I can't I can't say that I 
find his obsession odd or unusual because I had my own fascinations when I was a kid. I'm not going to say what they were. It was nothing perverse or anything, um, but it's definitely something that people might perceive as odd as as people would perceive somebody being obsessed with car wrecks to be odd. And so Aunt Edith has brought home a date or a potential date for gators. Or gator. I can't remember if it's gator. It's Gator. There you go. Edith would have been would have been perfect for trauma if she hadn't passed. I mean, she could have done some trauma movies in the well, no, she had already passed by the time Hairspray had come out, but there was a pretty lengthy gap in between polyester and hairspray in which John's doing other things and um, Edith opened a, a thrift store, Edith shopping bag or Edie shopping bag. I wonder if it's still in. I wonder if it's still there in Baltimore. I would assume that because Edith has such a large fan base, especially a local fan base, that there would be somebody who'd want to keep the the shop running. Within the auto industry. Why is he knocking on the door if he was married to her? moments in the film is about to come up and that is when um, Edith Massey 
comes into or storms into the into the house and throws acid in Dawn's face and the delivery is so bad and if not if that isn't bad enough it's the um the movement i mean the delivery is like here's some acid for your face motherfucker and the way the acid is thrown is so mechanical the way she just turns on her heels and walks out it's almost like she's never walked anywhere before it's it, it's it's just ridiculous and i think that's probably what john loved about her so much is that she was so unusual in so many ways she wasn't talented but she was a character and characters are what john loved he didn't like normal people so the dashers are getting are, are at the uh, house to um, start taking photographs. I'd like you to meet my daughter, Taffy. Taffy, this is Mr. and Mrs. Dasher. They're going to put Mother in the show business. There's a circus in town. She's so funny. If you'll excuse me, I'll go check on dinner. Help yourself to the chips. What's that camera for? To take pictures of your mother. I like this part here. <laughs> they can't have it and I want it. God.
<laughs> I'm waiting for Edith to come through the door. I wonder if this is all one take. I can't remember if there's any cuts. Oh. Something for your face, motherfucker. Oh, God. Now, um, it says something in Wiki on Wikipedia that I didn't. I haven't listened to the commentary in a while, but it said something about um, John's original idea for the title was something along the lines of rotten people, rotten something. I don't remember. And then he decided to change it because he knew that the reviews um were going to use the word rotten in the title because um, you know that's the way critics are they're not at all creative it, it would probably just be like rotten director rotten movie or some shit like that as the uh title but from what i remember reading and hearing and seeing um, the title was always Female Trouble, because I, I remember him talking about it before. I'm surprised that John put the um, deleted scenes back in to make this a 97 minute movie because he, he has always said that he doesn't believe any movie should be longer than 90 minutes. 
and he had just come under the wire with the 89 minute version when the 16 millimeter was blown up into 35. I'm not exactly sure how that works. If, um, if blowing it up makes it play fat. Yeah, well, it must make it, I don't know, faster. Oh, said rotten face. So maybe it was. It's one hell of a rotten face, she said. But I think that might have been the title, Rotten People, Rotten Face, something like that. Or at least according to Wikipedia. I'm still not convinced. Once Dawn becomes the fugitive, or a fugitive, rather, um, there is one scene that I have to say is pretty admirable, in which, um, while fleeing, in full drag, in November, um, Divine jumps into a river, swims across it, and it's all in one take and goes to the to the end to the waterfront and hits his mark i think that's that's namely why i think that's namely why john wrote vehicles for Divine, because he had said several times that he'd written, he he wrote vehicles for Divine, and I think that's probably why, because he knew that Divine was somebody he could count on to be. Oh, here's the liquid eyeliner injection to be to be professional, to be um available. To extend himself to do anything, basically, and you know how fucking rare that is. And I spoke in my Pink Flamingos commentary about how much I would have loved to have had friends who were reliable and dependable growing up. Because if I did, I might have gone the same route as John and started writing short films. Not that I would have had a, uh, a camera. I remember this is how old I am. And I wanted this so bad. 
I think I was like thir 13 or f 14. Maybe I was, I might have even been older than that. Maybe I was 15, 16 ish. But I remember there was this video camera that was introduced as a toy. It was intru introduced as a toy and it retailed for about $100. And the way it worked was it connected to any VCR through the AV cables and you would put a tape in and you re would record through the VCR and the cam, but you would have to have the camera connected at all times and it would only shoot in black and white. I wanted it so fucking bad. But even if I got it, I didn't have anybody to shoot anything with. I probably would have just made fucking art films of me sitting in my bedroom, delivering endless monologues. I remember that thing even came on a tripod too. It was so cool. I have to say, there's one thing that I never really got about the whole nightclub act. And I mean, because it really, the whole nightclub, well, I don't, I think it was also supposed to, to um, be the scene of a murder. Uh, and that whole thing, that whole thing was planned. But before that, it is Don doing a flip on a trampoline. And he actually had to take classes at the YMCA with an instructor to learn how to do a flip on a trampoline. And it wasn't, it's not even a real, like, flip. Like, when I think of a flip, I think of you know, jumping through the air and landing on your feet. What Divine does on the trampoline is, is he's on the edge of the trampoline, does a flip and lands on his back, which is like what you do when you're a kid um, when you jump onto the sofa from the, from the arm of the sofa um, onto your back. Um, so the First of all, the fact that he had to take classes and work with an instructor to be able to do that is pretty astounding. It might have had something to do with this weight, though. Show so I can't really, I can't really judge him too harshly for that. But why that was considered to be so awe-inspiring. And the main event, I guess, for the nightclub act and the and the 
Who Wants to Die for Art was the finale. But that that was it. He just does a flip and lands on his back. And then I think he does it a couple times. But that's that's the gist of it. Oh, God. Here's Taffy meeting her father, which is divine as a man again. I think this all had to get shot. I think all this... I think all the scenes with divine as a man were shot beforehand. Oh, God. I, I don't, I don't remember and I kind of don't want to know, but I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I think that Divine might expose himself in this scene. Um... Oh my god, the drama. Yeah, I think this might have been one of the many songs that John used without permission and then later paid for. Unless, you know, he paid for them, couldn't get distribution on, on video. And, um... I don't know how... I don't even think they were supposed to uh, play theaters. I think those were real shots too of um, of Divine parading down the street. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was um, shot guerrilla style with. I don't know what's going on. Um. I just hope I'm still recording because my laptop just made a weird noise. Let's check. 
check, shall we? Okay, I think we're still recording. I don't know what I said, but it, it triggered something. Might have been, um... Oh. The bird, I think the, this is where, um, I think this is where Edith Massey's in the birdcage, and I don't know if, if Vince Perennio is still alive, but Vince Perennio did uh, the art decoration for all the, the all the movies, I think. I don't know, but I don't know if he's still alive. Um, but he built that birdcage. And he said in, in, I believe, Divine Trash that it was in, he still had it in his garden. And um, the electric chair that Don is uh, executed in in the grand finale of the movie, John, I think to this day, still has in his Baltimore apartment or house, whatever he has. Oh. Oh my God. I think he. Uh, Divine calls somebody an abortion in Pink Flamingos as well. A mating call. <laughs> oh, God, I would have you 
Taffy comes back at the very end or right before the premiere of the nightclub act um it seems kind of random I think is I think Taffy basically only comes back so that Don can kill her There we have the premiere of the nightclub act. It's amazing, too. I mean, when you listen to the commentary tracks, um, John has an excellent memory and you know he'll um you'll see like a, a ran a random person who isn't in any of the other movies who has this teeny tiny little part who does almost nothing and he'll give you their whole bio and backstory um this was this was a friend of so and so. He he lived in so and so. You know, we hired him for one day. He had did this on he did this on one take and blah blah blah. And but one thing that he couldn't remember was who owned the house in the beginning of the film when they have the um, Christmas morning. Christmas morning scene. <laughs> Harry Krishner. All right, that I had to laugh at. Ever get tired of being with the Harry Krishna?
Oh my god. There's so much fucking dialogue in these early movies. And so much of it is done in one take. That's what's amazing to me. These are not <laughs> trained actors. Oh. Did I mention that was Mink? Mink stole? Yeah, I did. She looks different in this movie. From what I remember, anyway. I think he has a line about I eat white sugar or something that's supposed to be very suggestive. Yeah, there's the big flip. I think there might be another one. Yeah. Is there another one? <laughs> mm. So it was at four, and I don't think any of them were any, from what I remember, any of them, any of them were anything remarkable. Divine dated a gay porn star right before the porn star died, I think. I don't remember the name. It was some random thing that I just remembered. Um, And as Pat Moran says in one of the documentaries, Divine had wine in every port. And they were attractive. Supposedly. Forget it! I praise Leslie Bacon! 
You didn't have to ask him twice, rather. That's scary. I mean, that's not something that you would... Definitely not something that you would see in a movie today. Because that kind of shit happens way too much. This is kind of, this is kind of chilling because it's it's a little too real with the way things are these days with gun violence. I think this is the scene where he he jumps into the into the river into the lake. Yeah. Swims all the way to the other side. And they sent the dog. Oh. I think they're there waiting for him right when he gets to the other side. And this was November, shit. Oh. You go that way, I'll go this way. Tell is this the root? This, yeah, this has to be. Yeah, I hear the water. That was quick. Oh. come to find that the dashers are uh, going to um kidnap oh yeah 
I don't the Davenport or the Dashers are going to betray Don. Supposedly, the death penalty wasn't, I don't think it was legal in Baltimore at this time. Oh, God. What did she say, pig horse? I'm pretty sure it's her hand. You lying bleach blonde bitch. Well, you can't say that was a lie because she did. <laughs> I've run out of material. It's pretty clear. This is not turning out to be one of my best commentaries. I think I kind of ran out of steam when we hit the 90 minute mark. Oh. 
drama. I can't believe we're having a full courtroom show. This has been a while. It's been a while since I've seen this one. I forgot how it, it does. It does kind of have some lulls. Or is that me? <laughs> a lot of it has to do with the dialogue too because there's so much dialogue i'm not even sure when to come in when when do i comment what do i say Okay, finally. Yes, we have, Your Honor. But then we still have to go through the whole fucking scene in the cell when Don is posing for her her cellmate. It's so weird, too, because Don, I mean, Divine is supposed to be playing, um, he's still playing Don, and he's, he has his head shaved because he's getting executed, and it looks like, he looks like his male self because there's no makeup, there's no wig. I know every word I say will be in the newspapers tomorrow. 
John has a lot of obsessions and the death penalty is, is another one of them. Prison, another one of them. He volunteered to teach creative writing among other things in prison. He also has done his one-man show in prison. I heard that they tell everybody, I never knew this, I don't even know if it's true, but I heard that supposedly if you're on the, if you're on death row, you are the last person to know the date of your execution. I guess it's because they don't want you to kill yourself while you're in the cell, I don't know, but they just come and take you the morning of and that's that's how you find out they come and take you they ship you down they put you in a diaper ew lesbians sounds like the general store um, owner in Mother's Day John said in his one-man show, for his last meal, he would he would request a single leaf of arugula. I don't know what the hell I would request. I'm I'm really not a huge eater. I don't have an obsession with food really. How are these women getting out of their cells? <laughs> and they're on death row and they're able to go from cell to cell like this is a dorm room. This is a dormitory rather.
father. The legend's all ready for her little pleasure in the green room. I've been looking forward to this, you know. is this dragging so much? supposed to just allow you to ramble on like this when you're in the chair? This is just rambling. Pull the switch. Oh. Oh boy. We are rolling credits on female trouble. I gotta tell you, uh, I don't know. I don't, mm, I don't, I don't think it holds up. Really, and I don't see why this is, this is John's favorite. Nevertheless, I want to say thank you very much, as always, for staying with me to the bitter, bitter end. And I hope you will join me for future commentaries. So until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.